Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Charles Seaman from Investor Boardroom. Welcome back, Charles. You came here like episode 8 and 75. It's always great chatting with you. Welcome back. Robert, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back and to be a guest on your show again. Awesome. Awesome. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I think you came like last year around March, May timeframe. So share me like how many deals you have closed or what do you see in the market's place? Absolutely. So, so it's definitely been a busy, a busy year for us. Uh, in the last 12 months, we've closed on five deals with 442 units. We have another 137 unit deal under contract. So, you know, it's been it's been busy since the last time I was here. <laughs> and also in that time, market conditions have changed a lot. You know, as we're recording this, it's in May, early May 2022. And you know, conditions have changed a lot in the last few months. Interest rates have went up. And because of that, we're seeing a lot of buyers back off. And it's also, of course, at least a, a momentary reduction in pricing. Got it. Awesome. And uh, congratulations on closing five deals or the five, uh, 442 or 542 deals. Thank you, Rama. And good luck with the next uh, deal. Thank you. And, and, and just to do a quick plug for Rama, one of those deals is with him as well that he had found. And we, we appreciate having the opportunity to work with him. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you for supporting me on that, Charles. Sure. Uh, you mentioned there's some changes on market space uh, because of interest rates or inflation or whatever, right? So right. Uh, supply, supply demand. So share me like, what is your thought process of current market space? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's for sure. Uh, I've been in the, the multifamily syndication space since 2017. And that whole time, it's been a very strong seller's market to the point where it's made it very tough for buyers to go out there and find good deals. But where we are now is that things might be changing. I'm not going to call it a buyer's market because I think that would be very premature. But what I am going to say is it's a weaker seller's market than it's been in the last few months and even in the last few years. And the only thing I would say that's certain right now is that there's uncertainty. So you know you can make arguments why the market may continue going up. You can make arguments why it's going to roll over. But I think the key right now is for anybody that's a buyer out there is you need to be nimble and you need to be ready to respond and to adapt to whatever the market gives you. So if we find that you know this this temporary reduction in pricing is a very short lived uh, period, and then maybe it makes sense to dive back in and to capitalize and to, to move forward with buying more. If we see that it leads to a bigger downturn and a bigger reduction in pricing, you know, you can always go out there and look for deals. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just want to adjust your criteria so that way you're finding things that are going to be good investments and not things that will be overpriced six months from now. Got it. And how are you winning the deals? Are you targeting off-market deals or on-market deals? What is the difference that you're observing? Sure. So we definitely targeted both. The off-market ones are easier to win because there's often less competition. The downside to off-market deals is that there's a reason there's less competition. So being where we're in such a strong seller's market, most of the more desirable properties are typically going on-market. The ones that were going off-market usually were less desirable for one reason or another. So with three of the five deals that we've closed in the last 12 months, uh, 
you know, three of them were off market, as is the one that we have under contract currently. And with each of those, there was one reason or another why it probably went off market. You know, one of them had aluminum wiring and Federal Pacific piles as their block breakers. So for anybody brand new, those are less than favorable electrical conditions that make it tough to get good insurance and good lending on the property. Another one that had a fire damaged building with eight down units and other ones just had issues with management and delinquency. So those, those deals did have some hair to them, but because of it, it allowed us to get in there and to get a decent cost basis on them and to be able to move forward with them. So there's pros and cons, but it really depends on the type of deals that you're looking for. The on-market ones are going to be more competitive because you are competing against other groups. There's usually a full-fledged marketing process where the broker's throwing it out there to their entire mailing list. And then what happens is whatever groups are interested wind up submitting offers on the property and competing against each other to try and get those. So we look at both. Uh, you know, we've won a little more in the off-market space than on-market over the last year. But, you know, we, we don't prefer one or the other. It just depends on what makes sense at that time. Got it. And you mentioned a couple of properties, some electrical issues and other is property management issues. So like a burnout, a couple of units are burned out, eight units are burned out, right? So, so right. from lending point of view, uh, how exactly it is impacting lending, lending terms or lending? So, so it really depends on the scenario. So for instance, the one that we have in the contract now has been challenging on the lending side. We, we, we thought it was going to be a little bit easier because initially the expectation was that the fire damage building in the units would be back online prior to closing. But then during the contract negotiation, that changed and the seller decided that he'd rather just, you know, give us some money and have us do it. So in theory, that sounded really good. But what it's done is it's made it a lot tougher for us to get insurance carriers interested in quoting it. Our insurance premiums come in, come in absurdly high to the point it's something like four times what we initially on the road. And, you know, because it's so high, it's reducing the amount of loan proceeds that the lender can offer. So these are some different problems that sometimes you don't even anticipate until you get a deal on the contract, but it's something that can cause massive headaches and, and, and a lot of issues. Got it. So how exactly mitigating these kind of uh, risks? So we're mitigating the risk by getting a good cost basis on these deals. So right now, I think the best downside protection, and really at any time when you see prices dropping and you see extra risk, is just getting a better cost basis. So for instance, one of the deals we, we have uh, on the contract, that one there, we, we have a cost basis of 123,000 a door in an area where similar properties are selling between 160 and 185 a door. So in that case, we have, you know, when you're really putting in comparison, a substantial per unit discount, and that gives us a nice competitive advantage. Same thing with one of the other properties we closed that had high delinquency and mismanagement. You know, we have a cost basis of 80000 on that one, where other properties in the area, similar similar asset types, are selling for $100,000 to 110000 a door. So having that lower cost basis allows us to take on the extra risk and to make it to make it worthwhile. Got it. Yeah. How do you see, like, you know, current interest rates, hikes and, you know, inflation and supply demand issues? How do you see how it is impacting multifamily and also, you know, affordability? Good question. So supply demand issues have certainly impacted uh, multifamily in many ways. Back in 2021, uh, you know, I think it led to a buying frenzy with a lot of buyers paying crazy numbers in many cases. And it also led to issues on the operations side, because once you go in and you acquire a property and even trying to do something simple like, like turn a unit and get it ready for, for a new tenant, 
becomes an issue when you can't get the materials that you need for three weeks. Uh, so so it's, it's required a little more advanced planning, even on the operation side to say, okay, you know, we see this many units are coming vacant. We're planning to upgrade this many. So let's make sure we have as much stuff as we can. And even with that planning, things don't quite go perfectly and you may have delays. Uh, in terms of interest rates, that's had the biggest impact so far, the biggest negative impact. So initially when the Fed announced they were going to have multiple rate hikes at the beginning of 2022, it didn't have an immediate impact. You know, I, I think many people were probably like myself where they wanted to wait and see if the Fed would actually follow through on what they said. And as we record this in, in early May, you know, we can see there's already been multiple rate hikes. And the plan that the Fed has at this point is still to go forward with more rate hikes throughout the year. So there's been a pretty, a pretty good cool down. A lot of buyers are on the sidelines right now. So it's, it's certainly reduced the amount people are willing to pay and the amount of, of demand. So who knows where it'll be in three to six months if rates continue rising. But most brokers I'm speaking with are telling me straight across the board that deals are missing pricing guidance and that they have the expectation of a 5 to 10% discount for pricing in Q2 versus Q1 of this year. Got it. Yep. Thank you. And how do you see multifamily space next 12 to 18 months, Charles? So I think multifamily is great in terms of stability. In, in terms of being a bedrock of the economy, people need housing. You know, it's one of the basic human needs, you know, you know clothing, food, shelter, right? So, so in that regard, we have one of the basic needs that, that people need. So I think we'll be in a good spot. I think where the risk is going to come in is that a lot of people in the last eight to nine months and probably for the next couple of months have closed deals with adjustable rate loans. And where the risk happens is that as rates rise, a lot of times these rate caps that people are buying aren't kicking in until 150, 200, 250 basis points above the starting point. So what that means is that the operator is essentially on the hook for that first initial bump. And because of that, that's going to make it tougher to hit projected returns simply because you're going to have a lot of market conditions that people didn't account for when they first got these deals on the contract. Got it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, would you share any best experience in the last 12 months? Absolutely. So best experiences, uh, you know, I, I think there have been a couple of them. But you know, for me, the single best thing has been just building more broker relationships and furthering some of the ones we had so it's allowed us to be more competitive and get more deals. Uh, one of them, for instance, for a deal that we closed last August in the summer of 2021, you know, we were competing with another group for that deal. It was an on-market deal. And simply because we had a better relationship with the broker, uh, the broker sold us hard to the seller. They didn't know the other group too well. And that allowed us to get the deal without having the highest price. So th that was something that worked out really good. And probably another instance also is a property that we had under contract for the better part of six months. We had a lot of issues with because there were some things that the seller didn't disclose to us up front, and, and not so much that he was being dishonest, he just wasn't aware of them. And unfortunately, of course, there's a lot of a lot of grief. And it took us about six months to close that deal. We closed that one in November of 2021. And you know, there was a lot learned along the way of just things to look for as you go forward. Got it. Yeah, thank you. So would you also share any challenging experiences the last 12 months? Yeah, so I think that the biggest challenges we've had is and in particular, in the last month and a half, so not even the last 12 months, uh, the last month and a half, a lot of lenders uh, cutting loan proceeds. 
And when you're at the finish line and, and you're getting ready to close and you find out, okay, you're not going to get as much as you expect. So one of the off-market deals we had on the contract, uh, initially, you know, we were expecting that the lender was going to give us, you know, X amount. And they, they came in you know, roughly 500000 less than that the night before closing. <laughs> so uh, finding out, you know, about 12 hours before you're supposed to close that the, the lender's going to give you half a million dollars less in proceeds is never a good thing. It leads to a lot of last minute scrambling, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Ultimately, we wound up getting a short seven day extension, not even, I don't think. And we were able to get the lender back up to their original number, but it certainly took a lot of explaining and negotiating and, and you know, certainly wasn't without headaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, it's tough to, you know, it's always challenging, you know, in the last minute stuff, right? So, right. Yeah. So, so what is your focus uh, right now, uh, Charles? So my focus is, is still going out and looking for new deals. I'm still on the acquisition hunt. And I, I don't expect that to change in the immediate future. Uh, what I would say is that I have changed my criteria to make it more conservative so we don't wind up getting into a bad deal. But you know, still very active on the acquisition front and looking to remain that way for the rest of 2022. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community, Charles? So my largest way at this point is every is actually every Saturday afternoon, I do a free underwriting session. And you know, I, I invite people to attend that so they can learn about underwriting and multifamily deals. And that's something I extend out to people. And, and that's probably my largest way of giving back at this point. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Charles? Sure. So easiest ways to do it by email or text. Email is charles at investorboardroom.com. Text is 347-306-3278. And they should just tell me that they heard me on your podcast. Awesome. And thank you, Charles. And thanks for sharing your perspective on current marketing conditions. Thank you. Robert, thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Thank you.